You may be seated. Just take a moment and pray. Father, thank you that we have the incredible privilege of setting today aside to honor you and worship you and be in your presence. And Lord, we ask right now as we're in your presence that Lord, you would stir in us that change that you want to stir, that ability to hear in a way we haven't heard before, that our hearts could be set on fire for your word and your truth and our ears and eyes to hear and see, Lord, the things that you're doing. Because, Lord, we want to be made different because we're in your presence. We want to leave different because we met you here today. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're continuing in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 5, and it's a Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes. And uh, last week we talked about... um, Two things particularly that Jesus said. Do you remember you are the light of the world? You are salt. Remember that last week? Oh, okay. I'm just checking if you were here or not. And Jesus gives this after the teaching of the Beatitudes. He says to them, you are, meaning you, you are the salt and light to the world. And that we're called to be that salt and light. He's saying you are. You have a purpose in your life. You have a kingdom purpose. He's saying, I have a plan for you to live out that purpose. And, and that we are these very things. And, and he speaks this to his disciples and to the followers and those who are gathering around him. And, and, and he's showing them that there's this greater purpose, this kingdom purpose, this call that we all have if we're choosing to be that disciple, to be that follower of Christ. And, and he sets them in a, in, in, in a great trajectory of what's going to happen next. In other words, here's what you need to know you are as a kingdom person. But Jesus really set them up because then he goes into this next verse and he starts to say, and by the way, we got to deal with some things. In, in verse 21 through 22 in chapter 5 of Matthew's gospel, he's saying, now we got to look, you are those things, but let's deal with some things. There's some things that hinder you. And I don't want those things to hinder you any longer. If you're Choosing to be my disciple, I want to help you with those things that might hinder you. And then he picks up on verse 23 through 26, and he says, I have a solution how to overcome it. There's two things that we have to deal with in our life. And and he begins in verse 22, and he says that you've heard it, uh, that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be in danger of judgment. Verse 22, he says, but... I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother or without a cause shall be in danger of judgment. And whoever says to his brother rocker shall be in danger of the council. But whoever says you fool shall be in danger of hellfire. But wait, you just told me I'm salt and light. What's all this about? Well, he's saying I, I, I want to I deal with the heart and I want you to see. And, and when, he, when he's teaching and he says... To them, something is said of old. What he's saying is as it's written in the covenant, in the commandments, when he says something that's said of old, he's saying as you understand and as you already know these things, he's referring to the law. And it was clear in the law how to handle a dispute. It was clear in the law on how to handle uh, murder and, 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 and what was to take place as a result of that. And, and Jesus is laying this out for them that when, when, when you know what it says of old, but he's, he's changing, there's a paradigm shift. And what his paradigm shift is this, he's saying, and by the way, murder starts in the heart. 
I wanted to open up this morning and say, good morning, murderers, you know? <laughs> I think I should do an introduction first. <laughs> Me being a chief one of those. See, he's saying that murder starts in the heart and angers the trigger. That, that it was, it was, there was a clear understanding that, that we had to have and what that meant. And he's, he's, Jesus is saying, you know what? I want you to get to the heart of the matter. I want to deal with your heart on these very things and what's causing that anger. And anger, if you take it from the Aramaic to the Hebrew to the Greek, and you get to the Greek word or the definition for the word anger, in Greek it's akharhan. And what that word means is a strangling. Think about that. When anger comes upon us and is in us, we're feeling strangled, and then it's actually the feeling we have towards the person we're angry with. I want to strangle you. I am so angry. Hopefully not. But it's a strangling is, is the definition that we would have that understanding. And, and anger is this incredibly strong emotion. And, and, and what anger does is it brings forth fury and rage and it leads to regret. Anger never ends well. Did you ever notice that? Anger is not fruitful. It's definitely not one of the gifts of the Spirit. I'm pretty sure I haven't seen that one listed. What gift do you have? Anger? Yeah, you don't want to brag about that one. <laughs> it's one of the gifts of the enemy, though. And, and, and understanding that, and, and, and it's this strong emotion, and we know what it leads to. It leads to regret. Here's what we have to understand about anger. Anger is a secondary emotion. It's a reaction to the primary emotion behind the anger. Okay, so, so you don't wake up and go, I feel angry! You might, but there was something behind the anger. And, and Jesus is saying, we got to look at that anger. And um, my son Aiden, when he was younger, I don't know what age, uh, we got him one of these gifts, which, you know, when you're a parent and, you know, you have a girl and a boy, and you buy girl and boy gifts differently of, of what they like generally. Or, or what, and, and, you know, my son was the youngest, so I, I thought you buy boys bow and arrows and BB guns, and, but I, I didn't really understand the age, you know, when that was supposed to happen, or the Nerf guns, and what do boys do with those things? They get themselves in trouble, Right. And, and then they go out, and then you go, no, 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 that's not, you don't shoot your sister, stop, you know? Um, you don't shoot over the fence, you don't, you know, use, it. well, one thing we got him, he's really young, maybe three or four, and we got him these Hulk hands. You remember the green Hulk hands? They were styrofoam, and they had a voice in them, and you would bang them together, and they go, and they would say, you're making me angry, and you won't like me when I'm angry. Well, he adopted that. And, uh, and he would use those hands, and, and then he would go find his older sister to use those hands when he was being angry. Or he didn't need the hands anymore, and he would just make fists, like the Hulk. You're making me angry, and you won't like me when I'm angry. And for many of us, we could relate to that emotion. But when that wells up, and, and, and the truth is, we've got to look at what's the primary emotion. What's causing the anger? Well, the things that cause the anger are things like shame and guilt and rejection and envy and regret, disappointment, helplessness, hopelessness. 
And because we don't know how to deal with those things, anger comes. And Jesus is saying, I, I want to show you how we can deal with that anger. And when he uses a word like raka, which we don't understand, or a word like fool, which we don't understand, what we have to realize is, is when you would speak that way to another person, and it's really important you understand this, he's talking to the people of God. He's not talking outside. That this is to a group of Jewish followers who are following him. That this is, this is within your circle that we need to deal with this. This is with one another who is sitting around each other. And, and when he uses the word raka, what he's saying is raka is basically a four-letter word in Aramaic meaning worthless, a four-letter swear word. So you can add that one to your vocabulary. <laughs> no one will know what you meant, but it was. It's an Aramaic swear word. And, and, and they would use this word, but if you spoke that over someone, when you spoke it, you were saying they were worthless. They were empty or useless. And, and our words have meaning in what we say and what we speak. And if you use the word fool, which is another one, a fool is to be without wisdom. Foolishness is the opposite of wisdom. And when you said you fool, you were saying you are godless. You are immoral. Read Proverbs 26, and I'll give you an outline what that word fool means and how it was used. And, and he's saying that you can't speak to one another like that. You can't, that, that you, you can't talk to one another like that, that that's not okay. And you're allowing anger to take over those areas, and you don't want that to come in. And words matter what you say, and you've got to pay attention to the words and how you use them. In Ephesians 4.26, it says this, be angry and do not what? Sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. That, that you could be angry but don't sin. And, and, and we know in Matthew 21, Jesus had a righteous anger in the temple, didn't he? And there's a difference in that righteous anger. When he drove out the moneylenders, he, he, he drove them out. He said that my father's house will be a house of prayer and you've made it into a den of thieves and, and that's not okay. And there was a righteous anger. Most of us are not dealing on the righteous anger part. It's okay when that comes for justice and what God has planned. But, but there's this unrighteous anger that wells up. And Jesus is saying, we got to deal with the unrighteous anger. And, and don't let the sun go down on your anger. And if I could give husbands and wives any bit of advice as something that I've tried to practice and I've not perfected. But, but here's the truth. Because in our relationships, we, we get angry at one another once in a while, don't we? And, and when we're in that covenant of marriage, that, that it's, it's, it takes work to, to make marriage work. you got to put something into it. But the truth is, when that anger comes and that disagreement comes, the worst thing you could do is let the sun go down on that anger. Because when we let the sun go down on that anger, we're giving room for the enemy to get into that place, for our heart to harden, and we don't want that, and, and, and we don't want to fall subject to that sin or let that happen in our lives. And I can remember my grandmother, who I believe is a saint in my eyes, hard, hard life she lived through, loved God, worked her relationship out on her knees with the Lord daily, modeled prayer, and, and she would seek after the heart of God, and because of her prayers, I'm where I am today. My family had responded to who God is in their life. And those prayers had power and those prayers worked. 
and I'm grateful for that. My grandmother's first, my, her first husband died. She remarried, and Ed was my, my step-grandfather, and uh, they would get into some disputes once in a while. And this is how she would deal with the disputes when he would get all heated and that anger would come up because she would then confront that anger. And what she would say to him is she'd say, in the name of Jesus, Satan, come out of him. <laughs> and it worked. <laughs> Try that next time. You're in the midst of that disagreement. Don't let the sun go down on that anger. But, but believing that, that there's no place, there's no room in our heart for that. And, and the idea of the sign of peace is that we're being reconciled to one another, that we're coming together, that we're offering ourselves in this reconciliation. And Jesus talked about that in the next verses, in 23 through 26. He's saying, here's the remedy. So you have that hang, anger, and you know it's there. And, but I want you to deal with that, because there's a greater thing I want you to do. And, and he goes... On in verse 23, he says, Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there by the altar and go your way. First, be reconciled to your brother. Then come and offer your gift. And then he goes on with agree uh, with your adversary quickly and the importance of that. And if you don't, you go before the judge. And if you don't do that, it, it's not going to work out well if you keep distracting and putting that off. That that's of the utmost importance that you deal with it. And the church has a sign of peace. Really, it's meant there for that reconciliation, that healing, that, that, that we wouldn't come to bring our offering before the Lord in that way. And Romans 12.1 tells us what? That we're to bring uh, an offering. We're to be an offering. Our lives are to be an offering and a sacrifice to God. And, and, and that we can't be that offering and sacrifice if we're harboring anger in our hearts. And he's saying, I don't want you to do that. I want you to go before you bring that. Because when we bring an offering before the Lord, it's an act of worship. And every offering that we bring requires a sacrifice. If there's not sacrifice in our offering, it's not a sacrifice. It's not an offering. Do you follow? Jesus gave up his life as a sacrifice. So too we are going to have sacrifice in our life. And, and our, some of that sacrifice might mean I need to go reconcile that relationship. I need to go deal with that circumstance in my life. See, the offering needs to be given with a heart that is right with God. And if we're harboring anger towards others, it's not a pure heart. It's not going to happen. And why is this so important? This is so important because when we have anger in there and we let that anger fester, we somewhat become blinded by rage, don't we? You know, I wish anger had an off switch. You know, I wish it was just something simple. And, and sometimes it's not. There's just the, the primary emotion that, that, that is causing the anger, it's just welling up in me. And when that anger comes, there is a way to allow Lord into that place. But you got to deal with the first thing. And, 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 and it wells up and, and we begin to stir up. And what happens in that moment? We become blinded by our circumstance or that anger. And, and you're making me angry. You won't like me when I'm angry. And that rage begins to come up and it wells up. And what happens in that moment? Now you would hope in that moment when you're feeling that anger well up that someone, your spouse says, can I pray with you? What's our response? No. I'm too angry. 
I don't want to be, oh yes, pray for me. Help me pass this anger. No, I've passed that point. Let me rage and then come back to me. So now get it out of my system. But yet we know that, that, that we need that very moment, that touch for the Lord to come in that place, but we've allowed anger to take over. And here's the thing, anger leads to dissension, to discord, to disunity, and it corrupts the heart. And when it corrupts the heart, it causes sin. And sin separates us from the love of God. And we don't want to give room for that place. See, it's, 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 it's the enemy who creates disunity, not the king. And when we allow that to come into our lives, we're, we're allowing that room in our heart. And our heart is getting separated from his love. And, and we've got to be reminded that, that we serve a mighty God who sent his son Jesus to reconcile us back to the Father. And he's the Lord of reconciliation. And what I know is the Lord of reconciliation takes reconciliation seriously. Because he is that reconciliation. And just as we're reconciled to the Father, so are we to be reconciled to one another. If you're going to be salt and light, you've got to be a person of reconciliation. The heart of the whole gospel is reconciliation. The heart of the gospel is unity with the Father and unity with one another. Why did Jesus say, love God and love your neighbor? Love God and love the person next to you. Because he, he wants us to bring that love, and that love brings unity. But it's a sacrifice. It's not easy. If it's easy, everyone in the world would just be loving each other, wouldn't they? I love you, you love me. We're one happy family. How much more is the church called to model that? But we struggle because we're giving anger a foothold in our life. And when we give anger a foothold in our life, we let the enemy in. When we let the enemy in, we're pushing out God in our life. We're allowing that. And Jesus is saying it's so vital that you have unity with me and unity with one another. Work out those differences. I want your heart to be open and receive more of what I want you to do, more of my kingdom plan. We don't want to be separated from the Father in that place, so he's saying we have to deal with that unity. See, if anger and unforgiveness is in our heart, reconciliation is the only way to put love back in our heart. So if I have that unforgiveness and, and I have that burden, that anger, then the only way to unburden that place is to reconcile it. First with the Lord, then with one another. And what is that reconciliation? It's bringing that love back into our heart. Look, reconciliation is simply this. Reconciliation is being in a right relationship with God. That's what it is. How do I get my life in that right relationship? Atonement for my sins. And I've confessed those things before him. And, but how do I get... And Jesus is saying, as my disciples, I want to bring you into that right relationship. So you can't harbor that anger, that you have to be a person of peace and a person who brings unity. Matter of fact, you have to be a person that brings reconciliation into others' lives because that's what he did. And we're to model him, to bring those relationships to be right with God. Colossians 3, 12 through 14 says this, Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies. Paul says, Put on kindness. Put on humility. 
Put on meekness. Put on long-suffering. Bearing with one another. What he should have wrote was putting up with one another, but bearing with one another and forgiving one another. And if anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. And he concludes, he says, but above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. Put on love. And that bond of perfection will give you the grace to be tender and merciful and kind and humble and meek and, and, and enduring long-suffering. See, Jesus is calling his disciples to bring forth forgiveness, to bring forth reconciliation to one another. See, because you can't bring the gospel to the world if it doesn't first happen in the church. That if, that if forgiveness and reconciliation, and, and that's who he's talking to, those who are following him, it first starts with us. And as we model that, then we could bring that to the world. And his mission was to raise up disciples to change the world, not to hang out in church. His mission was not that we would be these, these spectators of who he was, but that we were actually participators in his kingdom work. And to participate, we'd have to deal with this issue, because all of us have had it at some point or deal with it in our life. And he wants to bring forth that we're to put on that love. And, and as we learn to bear with one another, as we learn to forgive one another, as Christ did for us, and as we do that, as we take the action of those things, we're putting on a bond of love in our life. We're bonding ourselves to the love of God. And he's giving us grace to carry that out. See, the Father's love is perfect. It does not disappoint. And in that love for him and one another, we're called to walk out of this church and change the world. That's what we're called to do. And that's in us. And we get hold of it. Simply it's this. Anger is easy. Anyone can do anger. Love takes sacrifice. So as a people of God, let us learn to put on love. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you call us by name and that you have a plan and a purpose for each of us. And Lord, um, we're so grateful that you'll come into our hearts in that place where anger is taken over and that, Lord, you, you can come and give grace and remove any harbored anger, Father, that just old stuff of the past where there's unforgiveness that you need to bring forgiveness in, where there's reconciliation, you need to bring reconciliation in and healing in. And, but, Lord, none of that will begin to work in our lives to understand your love if we don't first make a decision for you. And if you're here this morning and you don't know how much God loves you, what I can tell you right now is that God loves you in spite of our circumstance. And he doesn't ask us to get our act together first. He just invites us into a relationship. See, it's by grace through faith that, that we come into this relationship. He gives us this gift that not only a gift for now, but a gift that's eternal. An eternal life spent with him. Our comes down to our response. How do I respond to that relationship? So we have to make a decision. Am I going to follow after Christ or am I going to follow after the things of the world? And he calls us to come follow him. And then as we come to follow him, that response transforms our life to follow after who he is. 
And to deal with the anger and those things in our heart, it starts with first having a relationship with Him, and then He gives us grace and mercy to deal with that. And if you're here this morning and you don't know Him in that way, I just want to invite you to know Him that way. And I want to pray with you so that you would know Him in that way. And then walk out in the call and purpose He has for your life. If you'd like to pray with me to know Him that way, just raise your hand right now and we'll pray and ask the Lord in your life that way. Thank you, Lord. You want to pray with me? Come on, let's pray. Let's close our eyes and pray. And just repeat after me, okay? okay? Say, Lord Jesus, I need you. Lord Jesus, I need you. I thank you for dying on the cross for my sin. I thank you for dying on the cross for my sin. I sins. open the door of my heart. I open the door of my heart. I ask you to come in. I ask you to come in. Take control of my life. Take control of my and life. And make me the person. And make me the person. You want me to be. You want me to be. In Jesus' name. Scripture tells us all heaven rejoices, and so do we. Amen? Amen. Well, God bless you. God bless you. Have a hug. God bless you. We're to continue worshiping the Lord by taking up our offerings. Let us walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself as a sacrifice for us all.